Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And one of the things that your money will go to support is bringing live music to these airwaves. And I am here for Live Music Friday with my friends from the band Cloud Belly, who will be part of an incredible performance that's happening at the Shea Theater on Avenue A in Turner's Falls tonight. First, since it's Live Music Friday, let's hear a song, Cloud Belly. Yes, sir.
That is Cloud Belly on Live Music Friday here in the fabulous 413 on NEPM. Corey Laitman and Sam Perry playing with Cloud Belly at a really incredible event that's happening tonight. Now, there was supposed to be a block party in all of downtown Turner's Falls, the Falls Fest that was going to happen tomorrow. Got postponed until next year, which is a nice way of saying canceled. Uh, but what is not canceled is the indoor stuff that will be happening at the Shea Theater. Full disclosure, nonprofit community-owned theater owned by the town of Montague. I make zero dollars off it, although I am on the board. But one of the cool things that happens uh, many times at the Shea Theater over the years is immersive theater. And this is the third time an event called A Happening is happening at the Shea Theater. And the person behind most of this immersive theater is Linda McInerney, who is the founding artistic director of Eggtooth Productions. Linda McInerney, for those who aren't familiar with what immersive theater is, tell us a little bit about immersive theater. Well, it's ex- it's essentially having a theatrical experience rather than sort of sitting down in a chair and looking at something that has a beginning and a middle and an end. Mm-hmm. Instead, let me describe just a little bit like what we're doing at the Shea, and then I'll hand off to um, beloved Sam to talk more about the specifics. But when you walk into the Shea, you'll see that every square inch and every little nook and cranny of the entire building has been transformed for you to experience what ever it is you want to experience. This particular uh, show that we're doing is based upon Ovid's Metamorphosis and all of those wonderful myths that you know so well and were raised with. Um, And the beginnings of this immersive theater run that we've had since about 2011 began with me kind of crashing into a wonderful friend of all of ours called John Bechtold, who had been studying with Punch Drunk, a UK theater company that might be fairly well known in this country for their Sleep No More an immersive theater experience in downtown Manhattan that's been going on for about 20 years mm-hmm. based upon uh, the Scottish play. <laughs> I think you can say it in a radio <laughs> can you studio. Say, can I'm you say sure. it in a radio studio? It's based upon Macbeth. And so, oh, now you've done ah, it. Kaboom! No. <laughs> it's all falling apart now. Uh, and so this one is based upon Ovid's Metamorphosis, but really the person who has done so much work on it is the person who you just heard playing guitar with Corey, and that is Sam. Sam Perry. Sam yes. Perry. Hello. Tell us a little bit about uh, the what we will experience tonight and tomorrow night, right? So uh, it was going to be tomorrow night. Well, I'll explain. Okay. First, I'll explain tonight, then I'll say what's happening tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, yes, as Linda was uh, was saying, we've built out nearly every single nook and cranny of the Shea Theater, the green room, some of the bathrooms. Closets. Wait till you see closets. The bathrooms. Can you still use the bathrooms? <laughs> there are still public bathrooms, but some okay, of the good. some of the other private bathrooms are, are like now spaces. Fire code violation. <laughs> oh no, we've we've had we've walked with the fire marshal. It's all good, Monty. Don't Excellent, worry. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but nearly every space of the theater has been transformed into um, an active um, space that you can explore, and w- that will be um, uh, brought to life by dancers and musicians and actors who um, have taken um, the myths from Ovid's Metamorphoses um, uh, and as a prompt and created um, a piece based upon each one. And um, so you might find me, uh, I'm uh, Orpheus and my wife, Linda, who the managing director of the Shea is Eurydice. So we'll be wandering around trying to find one another in the depths of the theater. Mm. Um, We have, our dear friend uh, Jack Golden is Midas, and he's uh, has a room that's with many gold objects, and he'll 
he'll talk to you about how much he loves money. And <laughs> the, the thing about it is, for somebody like me who has FOMO, immersive theater is incredible, but also very stressful because I run from place to place to try to experience as much of the experiences as can be had. It is impossible for you to experience all of the things. It's true. It's That's kind true. of like this crazy escape room yeah. where every room <laughs> is forcing you to escape immediately. And you can't yeah. win. You cannot no, know there, everything. There's no prize. If you go into it with that mentality, <laughs> then you, you'll enjoy the experience more. It's a happening three, and it's a happening tonight uh, at the Shea. What's going to happen tomorrow there? So, um, Sam Perry. tomorrow, we... Uh, the event is open to the public for free. There are the performers will not be there, but the public is welcome to explore all the installations we've made. And there will also be a maker's market with artists from all over the valley um, that come and have their wares, um, their different artistic practices to sell. Um, that will be in, indoors. It was going to be outside for the Falls Fest, but it now it will be indoors. Corey, what's your role in a happening tonight? Corey Leitman from Cloud Belly. <laughs> you know, it's still a little bit opaque to me. Um, <laughs> yes, because it can be confusing, immersive yes. theater. What am I seeing here? I really don't know. Someone's <laughs> acting at me. That's all I know. <laughs> yes, but uh, there's, there's a person uh, involved named Kat. Uh, who is is sort of the uh, the second second in charge director, um, and they have given me the role of hanging out with a wardrobe that's going to be set up on the lower level, and to engage my engage in uh, dressing myself up in different costumes and try to encourage other people to dress up in different costumes. We're calling it the transformation station. Transformation station, baby. I'm going to be manning it. I love it. Um, and let me let me just pitch one thing. Uh, so the the Shea recently acquired a liquor license. Is this true? That's true. That's true. And Sam Perry here used to be a bartender at the Green Room, and he's an excellent, excellent craft cocktail maker. Otherwise and I saw, known as a mixologist. Otherwise known as a mixologist. I try, you know, Sir Mix- it's a little Portlandia <laughs> to use that word. <laughs> I don't know how you identify. If you identify as a mixologist, I'll start using the word. But I saw the craft cocktail list that Sam Perry came up with last night at the Shea, and it. Um, it is exquisite. It's going to be so, good. Yeah, it's going to be Super really good. Super fun. Super <laughs> fun. And that really is the bottom line. You know, it's just come and have the wildest, most intriguing time you can in whatever way you feel like. And you can take as much or as little as you want from it. And right. I think that's what exactly. I really love about it, too. You weave in and out and you can have you can explore a theater like you've never been able to explore right. it. Going backstage, going in the green room, going in the nooks and crannies, as we mentioned. Uh, can we hear one more song from Cloud Belly before we start giving the phone number out again for the, our fun drive? Absolutely. Can you weave the phone number into the song? It's 800-639-8850 if you want to support public radio. No, you don't really have to do that. Yeah. If you want to... Oh, it's right up there. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to. <laughs> you don't have to do it, but it would be funny. No, I think it's a fun challenge. Okay. Yeah. I walked out in the wild, white flickering My static cast upon the cold winds billowing Wearier singing songs I no longer mean It was a mercy just to be there listening So loud the million miles of spring froze 
thousand dreams steaming off soft beginnings. It's a bright shout thundering out a whisper in the gold hush of a sky gone quiet with all that snow falling on the river. Oh, that snow falling on the river. Oh, that snow falling on the river. I went up in smoke. To donate, go to nepm.org or call 800-639-8850. Yes. <laughs> it's here they've grown my steadiness, my love. God help me, I'm tired of running. I let go to hold on to something. Sweet loneliness, give your terror to all oh, that snow falling on the river. Oh, that snow falling on the river. Oh, that snow falling on the river. I went up in smoke. Oh, that snow falling on the river. I went oh, up in smoke. Snow falling on the river. I went oh, up in smoke. Oh, that snow falling on the river. I went up in smoke. Oh, that snow falling on the river. I went up in smoke. Cloud Belly, Corey Laitman, and Sam Perry, whose disparate parts will be part of a happening three metamorphosis at the Shea Theater in Turner's Falls tonight. Thank you both for coming by again and performing on Live Music Friday with us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks and for thanks having us. And thanks to Linda McInerney from Eggtooth Productions for helping make all this stuff happen. The pleasure is mine. One of the things that NUPM does every summer is turn the microphone over to youth reporters in our Media Lab program. And our Friday series highlights the work of the young people of Media Lab. It continues today. We'll hear Media Lab's Maggie Kuzmierski, who was a Media Lab mentor this past summer, but she previously went through the program herself. She's a recent graduate from Central High School in Springfield and is now attending the Fashion Institute of Technology. Maggie is here speaking with Michael Connolly Sr., a Springfield resident and author of Moo, Lou, and, Kai, and Kayla Do Lemonade, the story of some entrepreneurial kids who learn a lot about business while selling lemonade. Connolly himself is a business owner. He owns a mobile billboard company. You may have seen the trucks driving around the valley with the advertisements that flash around it. Here's Maggie Kosmierski from Media Lab. 
I just have to say, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm a big fan of this book because I used to do lemonade stands with my sisters when I was younger, and now I'm going to college studying entrepreneurship. So I'm very excited to be talking to you That's about awesome. this book. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. So was there an event that happened in your life that inspired you to make a book about children and business? Yeah, so I started my first business when I was nine years old. It was a candy business. I was able to help my grandmother retire in two years with that business. She was a waitress, and then she ended up making more money selling candy to the kids in the neighborhood because of the marketing that I had done. I just always remember that experience, and I know kids can uh, become entrepreneurs, become marketers, and do it. And I wanted to create the blueprint that I wish I had when I was younger, and that's why we, we put the book together. Are any of the characters influenced by people in your own life? Yeah, so uh, Moo, that's my youngest son, Aiden. Lou is based on my oldest son, Michael. Uh, Miggy is based on my other son. Um, Kayla, I don't have a daughter, but if I had a daughter, it would have been Kayla. And then all the other characters are either people in my life that I love and admire, so I kind of put them in there. Even my um, driver, he's Uncle JP. That's one of my drivers uh -huh. for standout trucks, so everybody's in there. And um, yeah, so all, it's all people that I, that I know and, and love. That's a fun way to like give like a little Easter egg and throw it back. That's it. What message were you trying to get across to the readers? Well, I wanted readers to understand that like anything's possible. And I mainly wanted them to understand, be able to work with others, be able to build a team, be able to accept your, your flaws, be able to accept your strengths. And I, I think like once people understand that, it becomes so much easier to become successful. And I got to tell you my definition of success, and I get this from Earl Nightingale. He's got this audio called The Stranger's Secret. And in it, he says, success is the steady progression of a worthy ideal. So if you look through the book, there was a lot of things that had to go right, a lot of things that had to happen, a lot of persistence, a lot of trial and error, a lot of just adjusting to get to the goal. So those are a lot of the things that I want people to get out of the book. Would you like to read us your favorite part of your book? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Here we go. Look, said Lou, taking a seat on the floor next to his brother. You know how to get people to show up, but Kayla knows how to keep them coming back. Her lemonade tastes amazing. Between the two of you, that's the positive experience. I can help us keep track of expenses and be sure we make enough money so we can buy the things that we want. Yeah, said Kayla. The way I see it, we all need each other. I really want those sneakers, but I can't make enough money on my own. I'm sorry for taking your idea, Moo. It was smart to start a lemonade stand, but the best way to be successful is to work together as a team. Thank you. You're welcome. So as someone who's interested in starting a business, what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs? So the first thing is you gotta believe in yourself. Business and entrepreneurship is not a negative thing is not a positive thing. It's whatever you think it is. So I like my when I when I talk about being an entrepreneur, being a business person, what I love to say is it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's not easy because you have to do the work. And in the book, we break down the five types of work. Because a lot of people think I gotta work hard, I gotta work hard. But as you when you go through the book, you realize you have to work hard, yes, but you also have to work smart and you have to work right. And then you have to network and then it has to be teamwork. So I like to tell young people that are looking to embark on that journey as yourself, just embrace doing the work. Incredible work ethic is what is gonna help you to um, reach your goals and surpass your goals. I really like that. When I was reading the book, I really 
appreciated the part that the student or the children kept reinvesting into the business. I think that was really smart the way it's not just an entertaining story, it's also teaching kids how to make smart business choices because that's something I did not do. <laughs> as soon as I made my first dollar, I was off to the dollar store. So I think that's very exciting. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm happy you caught that because so like the way we put the story together is really truly a blueprint on how to become successful in business. So like I've been blessed to have some really, really high level mentors. So I have three millionaire mentors and one billionaire mentor. What? And a lot of the things that they taught me, I realized how simple they think. It's not complicated thinking. It's like a lot of common sense thinking. So much of success is, is checking your ego at the door. And like you said, being able to reinvest in what you're doing. Cause, and that comes from having bigger goals. So that's why in, in the book, the kids wanted the, the game system or the sneakers or the headphones. And they had to keep working until they, they did that. There's so many kids who I know are entrepreneurs at heart who I feel don't have the self-confidence or the motivation to just really put themselves out there. But I think this book makes it really accessible for kids to learn about it and to empower themselves to do it. Because I know that people are out there who are trying, oh, yeah. who just don't have the knowledge yet. So I think this is so amazing. Thank just, you. I love it. I appreciate it. that. Can you tell us a fun fact about yourself? So. Fun fact, I, I give you 1.5 fun facts. So the first fun fact is that I was born and raised in the Bahamas, and now I'm stuck in the snow, but that's, that's a, is a good thing. It kind of helped me be who I am. And then the second thing is my personal motto, people always ask about it, create dope stuff and stay sucker-free. What's that even mean? So dope to me stands for deliver others positive energy and experiences. So you want to create things that are positive experiences for people. And then suckers are people that are, uh, drain others of positive energy and experiences. So the fun fact is Bahama boy. So I take that kind of environment there where everything's like upbeat and, and, and loving and fun. And I put it into this motto to tell people to just be amazing and, and spread love and take care of people. And anytime someone sees you, be someone that makes them feel better. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Michael Connolly is the author of Moo, Lou, and Kayla Do Lemonade. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is a production of NEPM Media Lab. And that was Maggie Kazmirsky. She and her team put that interview together along with videos that you can find at NEPM.org. We'll bring you another interview from our Media Lab producers next Friday. Up next, a spooky wine Thunderdome tasting the perfect style of wine for October orange wine with the folks at Provisions Long Meadow. The fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, homegrown in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and providing energy savings for their customers for over 10 years. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. This is the fabulous 413. Our listeners. We've been, called out. Yeah. We've been called out by our listeners. <laughs> our listeners that have had a history with alcohol, they would like us to not talk about it at all. But given that we gave away Rick Steves wine tasting as part of the incentives for donating during the fun drive right now, uh, earlier this week on the show, I think NEPM has committed to wine. And so do we. Not only is it fun drive season, it's spooky season. It's October, and we're gonna do a very October-themed wine Thunderdome here at Provisions Long Meadow with Benson Hyde, one of the purveyors of Provisions. And what's your name? 
My name is Zach Mraz. I am employee here. I do cheese and wine, everything in between. What are we going to taste here for Halloween for October, Benson? Uh, we have a couple of very spooky wines, but uh, we're doing orange wine for October. Because orange. Because it's orange. Right. Yeah. Is, it, exactly. is it pumpkin spice wine? No! Uh, I, wish, <laughs> I wish we had one of those. Oh, God! Oh, I mean, like, if that's your thing, then fine. But please, no. The premise of the wine Thunderdome, Zach, is two wines enter, one wine leaves, a la Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome starring Tina Turner and some other guy. This is unrelated, but if you have to Thunderdome between pumpkin spice and candy corn, which one do you take, Benson? Jeez, my dad would kill me because he's a candy corn fanatic, but I would take pumpkin spice, I think. Police. Over candy corn? I feel like, fine, like you can have that wax pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice all the way. Candy corn! All right, but we're not here for pumpkin spice. Is that your Nader vote again? That's my Ralph Nader vote, yeah. No pumpkin spice, and there are also no oranges involved in this. <laughs> right, so for those who- Common, common misconception. Do you get that question a lot? All the time. Oh. Those who coming in looking for wine made from oranges. <laughs> Could be could done. Be, could be done. I Might think be it gross. Is done. For those who don't know, what is orange wine? It's uh, skin contact white wine. So basically making a white wine the same way that you would make a red wine by leaving the juice in contact with the skins for an extended period. And that can range from one to two days all the way to 45, couple months. What a lot of people might not know is that most juice comes out of every grape, be it red or white, clear. What makes red wine red is contact with the skins. Usually, you don't do that with white wine. This is orange wine. Leave it in contact with and the white grape skins. That, to a certain degree, is why white wine gets a little bit of a bad rap for being not as complicated as red wine, and that's because so much of the phenolic ripeness and flavor is locked up in those skins. So if you're just pressing the grapes and pulling the juice away, of course it's going to be kind of one-dimensional. With these orange wines or skin contact whites, you really are getting a ton more texture and flavor. Skin contact whites sounds like contact improv. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Why do they call it orange wine? One of them looks kind of orangey. The other one looks like a rosé, more pinky. In fact, we do sell that oftentimes as a rosé because it looks so pinky. Yeah. And there is such a range in color that's all based on the actual color of the skin. So some of these skins have more of that yellow brackish kind of color, which the first one that we're going to taste has. And then the second one is actually it's Pinot Gris, which has pink flecks in the skin. And the riper it gets, the more of those pink notes there are and the more pink notes are expressed in the wine. So it actually looks like a rosé, oftentimes is sold as a rosé. You can really get a whole range in, in color. You know, like this one is cloudy as heck. You can see it's like yeah. a murky swamp water. Ooh, in the murky swamps of Sleepy Hollow. You just said things that all sound like magic to Monty. Every time he wants to talk about wine, it's always like murky things, dark things. I want to taste like the sweat off a horse. Yeah, right. Well, we might get some sweaty horses in this. You know, I'm thinking never-ending story and labyrinth and all the murky swamps of sadness and stink. The bulk of eternal stench. You're letting the sadness of the swamps get to you. Those are perfect Halloween-y movies. Well, cheers. Cheers to the first wine. Welcome so, to your first Thunderdome. You know, you can see in the bottle that the top part is much lighter, the bottom is much murkier. The flavor is actually very different in the top and the bottom. It's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure. You can leave it sort of separated so that it's thicker at the bottom if you want to get a little chunky down mm -hmm. down at the end. There's a lot of junk in that trunk. What you gonna do with all that junk? 
Or you can sort of give the bottle a shake and blend it up so that it's consistent all the way through. Fun. So this wine is a Skin Contact Arcatzatelli from Chubini. Chubini is the producer. It's traditional orange wine from Georgia. An orange wine actually is one of the most traditional ways of making white wine. If you look back at history, this is some of the first wine that was made was made in this style. So this is like an ancient tradition that has become popular and hip with the kids. Kids over 21. (laughs) Good point. And so now like there are a lot of young new winemakers that are experimenting with this ancient style, but doing it a little differently. But Mm -hmm. this is like, we're tasting history right here. It's grippy on the back, but it's so clean on the the front and it smells like beer with, it it smells wild yeasty. It does smell Definitely wild yeasty, but there is a citrus thing too. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one thing that's drawn me to this style of wine, like orange wine, is the great Grapes almost feel like alive as opposed to the white, which is, you know, nice, crisp and smooth and clean. This one, you you get the grapes kind of like hit you in the mouth a little bit. Yeah. But it is super orangey for an orange wine. (laughs) Drink this one. They're like, it is oranges. You're like, no, no, that was the wrong lesson to take. You mentioned that if you shake this particular wine, it'll incorporate it more. You didn't shake this beforehand, so we're drinking it in layers right now. We're we're drinking it in layers, and actually I was thinking we could go back to it. Yes. I could give it a shake and we could taste it and see what's going on with it. My wine mother, uh, who died, told me years and years ago, never to tell anyone this, which is why I've told everyone this all the time. Of course. If you need to decant your wine quickly, but don't have time, shake it. Shake it. Shake it. Yeah, some of the best wine people I know shake bottles all the time. And it really works. The first time I had a bottle that was over $500, it was a Burgundy the guy who I was drinking it with, we tasted it and he was like, oh, this is just not, it's not where it needs to be. So he uh, threw the cork in, gave it a really good shake and then poured it again. And I was blown away. It had completely opened up and like was a completely different beast. It's so, so funny. I'm a believer. The, uh, <laughs> shake, shake that wine. <laughs> the astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson once did a Star Talk podcast, because he's a wine snob, about is it exposure to oxygen or the shaking, oh, yeah. the moving of the wine out of the bottle oh. into the decanter that is really causing, and I don't even remember how he came out on that as a scientist. Mm. Suffice it to say, shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. One of the other great things about orange wine this time of year is it really goes with the produce in this area. Those autumnal vegetables and autumnal dishes, orange wine does really well. Pumpkin spice, Pumpkin candy spice, corn. Yeah. Those are not vegetables. <laughs> sure it is. It says yeah. corn right in it. So our second wine, here we're jumping to California, Paso Robles. This is a relatively young winery called Union Sacra, doing some really cool wines. One of the winemakers is actually from Alsace and he is very into that Alsatian style of winemaking but in California and so this is his Edelsvicker sounds Alsatian. It sounds Alsatian. Depending on what decade you happen to be in Alsace. Exactly. <laughs> but this is his Edelsvicker Skin Contact, which I don't think you'll find many of those over in Alsace. So yeah, it's a blend of Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, Sylvaner, Riesling, Gewürztraminer, and uh, Muscat. Strawberries. Oh yeah. <laughs> you could smell this one blind and you would think it's a rosé. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. It smells yeah. like rosé. Smells oh, yeah. pink. And at our uh, rosé open house, we snuck this one in because it is pink and, you know, even though it's technically an orange wine, yeah. and it was one of our top selling wines. Oh my God. I mean, the yeah. fruit profile on it's this great. too is off the charts. Yeah. Fruity. It's super red sweet, berries. delicious. Oh. Yeah, berries. Which, yeah, red berries. And if you're thinking about like white grapes, you don't necessarily expect to get 
those red berry notes, but mm. here they are. Low level acidity that kind of cleans out at the end. Yeah, and the citrus character that I get in here is a little bit more like grapefruit. What do you yeah, think? I would say a combination of strawberries, grapefruits. It's like slightly floral, not too acidic at all, but like very pleasant. If you need to take baby steps into orange wine because it's a little funky for you, this might be a good first yeah, step. It's a great first step. Yes. Should we go back? Should we go yeah, back? Yeah. Back. Try not to shake this too much. Benson is now shaking it up a little bit. Yeah, because you shake wine, right? That's one thing we learned. Wine and babies. Just because it's spooky season, you should be shaking in your boom. <laughs> like Outcast said, shake it like a Polaroid picture. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hopefully we uh, got enough of the junk in the trunk there. I'm gonna taste the top first. I smelled the bottom or the, the incorporated one, yeah. the homogenized one, I guess. Oh, there's way more funk on the shaken yeah. one. Oh yeah. But the, the top smells way more floral than the yeah. first pass. Right. Way oh. more textured. You know what? It's more, it feels more beery too, all of a sudden, yeah. like the yeah. yeast. Well, this is heavy on the yeast. That's so cool. So now are we voting like the, the top or the bottom off? No. No. We're Would voting vote just, the wines. just the wine. Holistically, it's taken us on a journey from the top to the bottom. I got my pick. I got my pick. Me too. Should we do this by unanimous acclamation? Why don't we start with Zach? Sure. It's the Arcazzatelli for me, yeah. I've been fascinated with Georgian wine working here and it's really cool, all the ancient grapes and growing styles and yeah, it's just awesome wine. Yeah, the Georgian wine is just like, there's so much happening in this bottle. There's so much that can happen. I think I have to go Chubini. It's just so much more complex and dynamic. And I think food friendly, it kind of is screaming to go with food. It is unanimous. The Georgian wine is just so flippin' interesting. Yeah. It's got so many layers. You can drink it three different ways yeah. and experience it as and three different wines. You're drinking history here. I mean, this is like how they've been doing it for eons. Part of the winemaking process here, they actually basically just dump the grapes into clay pots that are buried in the ground. Oh, so real old school. This yeah. is real old school. Glad the impaler is out there digging yeah. a hole to put I mean, clay oh, pots doing, in the ground. Doing, during country. It's close enough. <laughs> no. During fermentation, they actually sleep in the winery because they have to stir it every three hours. Talk about having a, a wine baby. You're waking up every three hours to stir during the fermentation process because, you know, they don't have uh, the temperature control. Crazy. It's crazy, but worth it. But worth it. The stuff on the top is now getting like this neat herbal thing, like almost like brush kind of laurel-y. Laurel. There's so much happening in this bottle. Yeah. It's crazy how different they are, right? And yeah. that's like an inch away from each other. In the bottle itself. And again, like it's not that the other wine is bad. Like that is a really nice rosé or, or orange, but like, yeah, there's just so much happening in the other one. Jeez, that's fascinating. Well, here's, here's a twist. Uh -oh. We know that the Georgian wine has won the wine Thunderdome, which Georgian wine in that one bottle wins. Do you like the first taste? Do you like the poured off head? Do you like the incorporated? I like the junk in the trunk. I like the bottom. Oftentimes I like the top a little bit better, but in this case, I think the bottom is You're just- solidly a bottom. Solidly a bottom. So this conversation's going in a weird direction, but- uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I like it when it's all mixed up and everything's touching everything. Yeah, I kind of like the mix like a bunch. It just becomes kind of magical. Yeah, if a bottle has sediment, I'm always shaking it up. Well, this has been quite the journey. Benson here at Provisions and Zach here at Provisions Long Meadow by unanimous acclamation and on several different levels. This orange wine from Georgia is really, really fun. Another fun fact, I actually got engaged at this winery. Um, I was sleeping on a cot with my fiance in the winery and woke up one morning, maybe after a little bit of orange wine, and uh, decided on the spot to propose. Crazy, right? No ring, nothing? 
No ring, no nothing. I love that. Yay! Yeah. Marker, I drew it on. Did you? I did. I love that even more! <laughs> shake it, shake it, shake it.